Welcome, everyone, to the new episode of the Truth and Rally Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Roman. So, the All-Star Game approached this past week. 19 out of 30 teams are still in playoff content, which means that 63% of teams in baseball right now, at this moment, are in contention for a playoff spot. Now, I will also be the, the, the person who would say, you know, this is the time and maybe... The All-Star game should have finished after 81 games. And maybe even the tread deadline should have uh, should have been at the same time. Maybe that's just me. I like having All-Star games uh, by weeks right in the half-season mark. Versus saying, you know, for football, you play 13, 11 games straight, and now you get a bye week. You know, or... You play 60% of the season and now you have 60% or more of the season and now you all of a sudden have an all-star game where you give the trades that you make that you probably made 30 to 40% of the season left to try to be an amazing trade to do amazing things and more. But one of the guys who, who I want to talk about also about this all-star game, about the playoff contention that could shake the whole system, basically, in my in my opinion, is, I'm going to say his name wrong, Shonard Otani from the Angels. One of the best players we have experienced in our lifetime. You know, we thought A-Rod, we thought guys like Ken Griffey and all the guys who became instantly good, like at 18, 19 years old, was amazing. But the idea that Otani is not just a great hitter, but a great pitcher, and that he's able to hold up and do great in both, it's just crazy. But the reason why his name is coming out is because he will be a free agent at the end of the season. Going into All-Star Game, the Angels are four and a half back, so that's possibly at that at this moment the Angels are not going to be looking at trading him, unless the ten games or more out of a wild card spot by the trade deadline. Now, one of the reasons why his name comes up is if he is traded at the trade deadline, the Angels can get more back versus just getting one complimentary draft pick if. His qualifying offer is declined, and he signs with another team. So the question ultimately is, what do the Angels do? Do they bank on possibly drafting a great draft pick next June? Or do they trade Otani away, get tons of prospects, and they'll probably, if they do decide to trade Otani this uh, trade deadline, the Angels will probably get the most prospects, players in return ever for any player in Major League Baseball history. Because you're asking for them to not just get rid of one of the best pitchers, but one of the best hitters. So what that, that that's the thing that makes this this thing interesting. What do what do the Angels do? And one of the things that they have uh, that, that's even even more crazy is they have a great player named Mike Trout. Now, Mike Trout's been with them for 13 years and only one season he has made the playoffs. 
It is shameful that a great player in Mike Trout, who at the end of his career could possibly be top five in almost all batting, uh, batting categories in Major League Baseball. But the idea that so far in 13 seasons, he's only been to the playoffs once, kind of makes me think, if they're out 10 games out of first place or out of a wild card spot by the trade deadline, don't just trade Otani, but trade Mike Trout. And have an opportunity, not just to have, after these two trades that you make for these two players, get one of the best farm systems in the league, but you could possibly put yourself into a better future versus trying to put little tiny pieces together, patches together. Because right now, the last five years or more, it just seems like they're putting little patches here, a little patch there versus really, you know, rearranging themselves and, and trying from scrap to see what they could do. You know, Mike Trout is 31 years old. He's not getting any younger. The idea that he's been in the league over 10 years and he's been in the playoffs once. And you have two players who have a chance. I'm going to say minimum. Minimum. Could probably get you 10 players back or more. They could trade these two guys and get two potential aces in their rotation. They can probably get a couple of great position players. And maybe in two or three years, they'll be even in better uh, situation than they are now. Because keeping Otani is not the is not what they need. Because the truth is, here's the truth, lady. Here's the truth for everyone here. The truth is they need more hitting, they need more pitching, and they need more bullpen help. And they don't have that right now. And that's why they're four and a half games back. That's why... Trading them may be the a better option versus then keeping them. Maybe that's just me. But if next offseason you do resign him and you don't upgrade your bullpen, you don't upgrade your starting rotation, you don't get better position players, and you're still stuck in the same position you're at now, maybe finish the season between 75 and maybe 85 wins yet again. I mean... Sheesh, how much do the Angels fans have to hurt? I don't know, but maybe it's just me. Now, some teams that they're putting out there is the Yankees, the Dodgers, you know, uh, the Padres, maybe even San Francisco. This wrote out there that he prefers the West Coast, probably because traveling from California to Japan is a lot easier than traveling from a team that's on the East Coast to Japan. But a team I'm putting out there is the Mets. The Mets have a new owner who's not like the owner they've had of the past. The Mets have the GM that lured Otani to the Angels. And the Mets right now have an ace that's not Jerson Verlander. It's not Max Scherzer. I'm probably going to say his last name wrong. Sengai. Probably said it wrong. Who has a famous pitch that's called the Ghost Ball who's actually performing better than his last 8 to 10 starts. But the idea that if Otani came to New York and two Japanese pitchers are the head of the rotation, I don't think it's ever been done. 
two guys who have the potential of being one of the two best pitchers in the league and head of the rotation. It's crazy. I mean, right now, the prediction for Otani is that he's going to get $600 million in his next paycheck. I mean, that's crazy. Maybe it's just me thinking that the Mets will be a, a better destination for him versus other places. I don't know. You know, Dodgers look like a great destination because they're kind of like the New York Yankees and Mets of the West Coast. Even though San Francisco has been spending money, I mean, not San Francisco, San Diego has been spending more money within the last couple seasons. I'd like to see what he could do with a team that's committed, that doesn't have a track record of 13 years and just make it to playoffs once. And that's probably why the da- the Dodgers are, if it's not the Angels, his preferred destination. And maybe it's the Yankees, because the Yankees are have been in the playoffs more often in the last 20 years versus than the Mets. We'll see what happens. But this guy is amazing. If you don't know him, if you don't know uh, anything about him, go look at statistics. This guy is amazing. I mean, Babe, there's things about Babe Ruth that came out back when he was the Red Sox, that he was a pitcher, and then we knew him as a hitter. Can you imagine if he came to the Yankees and he continued pitching and was their ace that helped them win World Series, and on top of that, he was Babe Ruth, so he was hitting monster home runs at the same time? Can you imagine that, that being a part of his legacy? That he, maybe he could have finished his career with 200-plus wins, plus all the home runs he hit and have all those statistics that he finished with? Just crazy. So as the season stands right now, there's some underachieving teams. The Mets, the Padres, the Mariners, the Cardinals. You could say the Yankees too. Have have under uh, underperformed. These teams have either made the playoffs last year, had a winning record, or everyone thought before the season started that these teams would be better than what they are currently at this moment and right now they're bad I mean with this three wild card team I mean wild card picture that they, they have created there's entire possibility that one of these teams with just one great winning streak of I'm gonna say at least put out there 10 games will be back in the race the Mets are the biggest downfall because Verlander and Scherzer have not looked great Edwin Diaz getting hurt has not helped the bullpen. The hitting is not as good as last year. And maybe Buckshaw Walter is not fitting as manager of the Mets with this new rules they implemented with the pitchers and everything else. I mean, the idea that you tell a guy who's been a coach for 20, 30 plus years that he actually has to change how he approaches the game. And he has to be okay with it. He can't just say, I'm going to fight it. I'm going to do it my way. He has to be okay that there's a time limit to when his pitcher should be be ready to pitch the ball and his hitter should be hitting. Maybe he perfected the idea of slowing down the the whole experience of a pitcher and a hitter, uh, getting into the mind of the pitcher because he's taking so long to prep to get ready for the to, uh, to hit for the next ball, that it got in the head of the pitcher and made the pitcher pitch poorly. I don't know. But the idea that Buck Showalter helped his team 
manages team to over 100 wins and they don't look like the same team. Just, it's kind of crazy. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. The tread, line's, tread deadline is approaching. We'll see who gets traded. We'll see if Otani stays with them, stays with the Angels, because the Angels maintain that four and a half uh, gap between the last spot of the wild card spot, and they want to continue trying to contend going into August and September. Or will they give up because the tank game's out and versus just getting one complimentary draft pick, they want to get multiple players in return. So the NBA offseason, multiple players have been made available, have been rumored to possibly being traded, haven't been traded yet, but there's rumors that they're available in some kind of capacity. Guys like Carl Anthony Towns, Damian Lillard, Paul George, James Harden. Now, let's look at this. Bradley Bill just got, got traded a couple weeks ago to the Suns for second round draft picks. Let me just say that again. Second round draft picks. There are players in the league who have been wor who are worse players than a Bradley Beal and teams have been able to get first round draft picks in return. Washington didn't. Have to give up. I mean, give up. Uh, didn't have to. I mean, didn't ask for first-round draft picks. This hurts anything, including Curl Anthony Towns, Damian Lillard, Paul George, and James Hurden. Right now, they're making first-round draft. This one first-round draft pick is better than this, all the second-round draft picks that the Washington Wizards got for Bradley Beal. Now, Damian Lillard has been rumored that he only wants to be going to Miami. The only team he wants to go is Miami. Now, Miami has lost pieces. Miami wants him too. But Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and a couple first-round draft picks for Damian Lillard, is that an adequate return for, for, for Portland? Should Portland trade him to a team... That not just gives them a good player back, but they get first-round draft picks and they make their bench even stronger at the same time. Now, I don't think Tyler Hero is equivalent to a Damian Lillard. Duncan Robinson coming out of the bench with being a three-point specialist that he is, is a good option. But what about Lillard going to Chicago? You know, uh, Lonzo Ball got hurt. And he hasn't been the same the past three seasons. Actually, this upcoming season that hasn't even started yet, he's going to be out the whole season because of an injury. Because of the recovery process hasn't uh, fallen into his favor for him and the Bulls. And the Bulls right now are trying to get an injury uh, trade expectation kind of money that, that they get at least like 10, I think it's $10.2 million so that they can probably get guy equivalent to that salary to replace Ball. But what about Damian Lillard going to the Bulls with Zach and you know, playing alongside Zach Levine or DeMario Rosen? How would that look? Before Lonzo Ball got hurt, the Chicago Bulls looked like a top four team in the Eastern Conference. And since then, they haven't looked the same. 
bring on Damian Lillard. And this team is just up there, would be up there with, in my opinion, with the Milwaukee Bucks, Boston, and, and, and all the other teams. And possibly a team that could go to the Eastern Conference. Maybe it's just me, but the idea that you have Lillard, DeRozan, Zach Levine, and others, it, it just looks like it would be a fantastic team, in my opinion. But there's no rumors in Carl Anthony Towns, Paul George, had connection with the Knicks, but the Knicks didn't want him because there's rumors out there that if, if Paul George was traded, he wants an extension. And I give it to the Knicks for backing out of that. I don't want Paul George for the past four years. He has done really, he's been more injured his, in his experience, in his time with L.A., Versus his time that he had with Indiana and OKC. But there's also rumored that LA probably wants to keep Paul George because James Harden's available. Hmm. Now James Harden is still available, and they haven't tried a tra- uh, they haven't found a trade partner yet. So it's you know it's curious to see if a trade does happen, or if an extension actually works out for James Harden and the and the Sixers. Now, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, the draft just happened. And listen, the NBA draft is crazy because there's there's two rounds in the draft pick in, in their draft. Majority of the players don't perform well in the first three years. I mean, it, it's just like you get more failures than... Than, than anything in terms of the NBA, you know, in terms of p- players that get drafted. Uh, that's what, in my opinion. I feel like things like the like the NFL has more outlandish, you know, um, stories. Like, okay, you will always hear guys getting drafted fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round, eventually becoming a good starter, an all-pro, a future MVP, a guy who outperforms guys who were drafted in the first round, et cetera, and et cetera. It's very, um, it doesn't happen often where a second round draft pick outperforms guys who were drafted in the first round. In the NFL, you get guys who didn't get drafted who end up being all pro or starters, and they become like a guy like Victor Cruz. Victor Cruz, for the New York Giants before he got hurt, was a guy who was undrafted. And he became to be a number one receiver for the New York Giants. Now, when have we said a guy who didn't get drafted in the first round, a guy who didn't get drafted in the second round was an MVP or was the best player on a team? It doesn't happen often. It happens less often in the NBA more than anything. Baseball is another story, too, because... Baseball has a lot more uh, players than, than the NBA. So you could say there's even more failures there. But in my opinion, I don't focus on any other, any other drafts except for the, for the NFL because I just feel like the NFL has more of a... Uh, it's more entertaining. It's more entertaining to see a guy who got drafted after the first round, outperformed guys in the first round. And it happens often in the NFL. 
And let's talk about the NFL. DeAndre Hopkins has signed with a team. Now, the team he signed with is the Titans, and it's kind of a head-scratcher because I don't see them as a good team. I see them as a team of controversy because Tannehill still has a contract with the Titans. Last year, they signed Willis. I mean, they didn't sign. They drafted Willis, and now they uh, drafted Will Levi's. And this year's, uh, in this past year's draft, is head scratcher. So there's controversies there. Who's the future of the Titans? By drafting two two quarterbacks in two years, it's not Tannehill. Now you drafted two young quarterbacks. Is this a Robert Griffin the third? Kirk Cousins situation like the uh that happened with uh the Washington Commanders where Griffin was given the chance first wasn't so successful Kirk Cousins comes in and he's actually had a better career because he's still in the NFL while Robert Griffin the third is an analyst on ESPN but kind of crazy why would he sign there is it because he he got more money is it because of the money because this is a team the the Tennessee Titans won only seven games last year. The best receiver in terms of yards and end of the season was Robert Woods, who had over 500 yards, and he's not with the team. Actually, Tyler Brooks, who did who had was had an injury plug season, actually was the better receiver because he averaged more uh, receiving yards per game. But why would you want to go there when they don't really have a good receiving core? The defense is, is is potentially good. Derrick Henry or King Henry, whatever you want to call him, is still great. The offensive line has gotten worse the past three years. So why in the world would you go to the Titans? Why not sacrifice your pocket a little bit and go to a team like the Chiefs who guarantee you a 500 record, guarantee you a greater chance of making the AFC conference. Oh, and they've been to the Super Bowl a couple times the past few seasons. Hmm. So you have a greater chance of getting your your Super Bowl ring, a greater chance of experiencing a conference uh, championship, and you're with a Hall of Fame coach and a future Hall of Fame tight end and a future Hall of Fame quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. But... He wants to go, and we'll. I'll see later on if there was any other teams that offered him a higher contract. But man, why would you go to the to the Tennessee Titans, who don't have a chance to be in the AFC Conference this year? Delvin Cook is still available. Delvin Cook, after he got released from the Minnesota Vikings, everyone assumed he was going to Miami. I think Miami has offered him a contract and he did not accept. Why is Del- Delvin Cook still a free agent? Is he trying to wait on what to see what Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley get, so he could use that into his negotiations with with uh, with uh, the teams in the NFL who want him? Now, him going to the Dolphins would be great because. If Tua's healthy the whole season with uh, Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, and now they have Ramsey in the secondary with Xavier Howard, Miami looks like a great team. 
Their offensive line wasn't addressed. You know, one of the reasons of, uh, one of the reasons why I feel that Tua got hurt last year and had concussions the way he did was because that offensive line was horrible. And you would think addressing the offensive line and making it probably one of the best in the league would have been more of a, uh, more important for them than getting Ramsey. I would have I would have rather them get a, a, a more players to make that old line better to protect Tour, because Tour healthy, the the Miami Dolphins were I think eight and five in thirteen games that he played eight and five. But they went for the players that they did, and Devin Cook hasn't signed with them. The other team that he's been rumored and connecting with is the Jets. Now that would be great for the Jets. But I liked Bryce Hall. Before he got hurt, he showed that he was a great running quarterback, but he also showed that he was a great receiver, a dual threat, a guy that, if healthy, could be top five running back in the league in total yards. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm you know, selling myself short or selling him high or whatever you want to call it, but I like that possibility. But Delvin Cook going to the Jets, and possibly helping a team that hasn't been to the Super Bowl since 1969 would be a great idea. We'll see what happens. But then I was thinking about the other day. We're talking about, I was talking about DeAndre Hopkins. I was talking about Devlin Cook. But what about Ezekiel Elliott? He's not signed yet. Why isn't Ezekiel Elliott not signed yet? Why is he still a free agent? I don't know. Is it the money? Is he going to be forced to retire? What does he want? Why do players always focus on the money, not focus on the other main things? If you're a player, money should be the last of what you focus on. Focus on, am I going to be in a winning team? Two, am I going to be a starter? If If that's what you want, that's what you also focus on. Two. What is the track record of a team? There are teams that have one great season and they don't follow up with another great season. But you got teams like the Chiefs. You got teams like the Patriots. You got teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers that since Mike Tomlin has been the head coach has never been below 500 once. Do you go back to the Ravens? The Ravens are another great team. Not saying they need... Devlin Cook or Ezekiel Elliott. I'm just, it's a question out there that I'm putting out there. So we'll see what happens. You know, right now, Josh Jacobs and Barkley have mu- have four o'clock until this upcoming Monday to sign the tags that they were offered from the Giants and from the Raiders. Now, we'll see what happens. We'll see if, if these players do get signed on Monday. Does it? Does Ezekiel Elliott sign a contract soon after? Does Delvin Cook sign a contract soon after those two players? You know, um, again, you know, not Jacobs, but Barkley has a chance to be in a team that could be good the next two to three years because Brian DeBall was a great head coach for the New York Giants. They won nine games, a team that wasn't expected to nine games. Daniel Jones wasn't an all-pro or Pro Bowl player, but he looked better than he did his past several seasons that he had under Pat Shermer and got and and uh and others. Bill o, not Bill O'Brien, I forgot his name already. Oh, Joe Judge. 
But we'll see what happens with Barkley and Josh Jacobs if they sign a end up signing a contract or if they end up holding out because they didn't get the money that they wanted. Now SmackDown, SmackDown two weeks ago almost almost took off the whole show. I went to the Madison Square Garden SmackDown. It was crazy because you got good seats, but that segment with the Usos. And the bloodline in the beginning took so long that when you went and watched the performance and I watched the, the rest of the SmackDown, it kind of felt uncomfortable because things seemed kind of rushed. And because it seemed rushed, it kind of hurt SmackDown a little bit because it was like, man, why didn't the women get more of a chance to do this and do that? Why didn't this match last a little bit longer? It's because that whole segment took f about 30 to 40 minutes or more, whatever time limit it was. It took a lot longer than it was. And it was good. It was not bad. To see Roman Reigns act like he was crying at Jey Uso. And Jey Uso was falling for it was priceless. Seeing them have a brawl out, out there was priceless. So, it was uncomfortable. Now, you know, who's a... Another thing that was interesting is that LA Knight is becoming very popular in WWE. At first, they made him come out as this guy, some Dupree guy, manager, and it didn't work. And then they finally let him do this, yeah, character. And it, it's working, but the problem that people have with it is because he looks like, he he's acts like Stone Cold and The Rock, supposedly. Kevin Nash doesn't like it. But he's become so popular that social media has posted all these little nuggets of how many times L.A. Knight has actually been in the spotlight, but you just probably didn't ever notice him because he wasn't popular. But Kevin Nash has to settle down with it, you know, and others who criticize L.A. Knight looking like The Rock or acting like The Rock and The Stone Cold have to settle down. Think about what we experienced with The, with the Rock. The Rock didn't perform as The Rock as a wrestler for 10 to 15 years. It was like less than 10 years and then he was straight to Hollywood. The same with Stone Cold. Stone Cold was forced into retirement. We didn't experience Stone Cold for 10 years. 96, King of the Ring, that's when we, we experienced uh, Austin 316. But before 2006, he was gone as a full-time wrestler. Yeah, he had his appearances after his retirement and GM and other things that he has done. But it died quickly. I mean, imagine, imagine if Ric Flair was done with wrestling and saying, woo, before 1985. You're talking about over 15, 18, 20 more years that he was in, in wrestling, either as a manager, a wrestler, etc. and so forth. Imagine that. Imagine Ric Flair's career being done in 1985. Just saying, let LA Knight do what he's doing. It's making money. The fans allowed, and that's what I like in, in a wrestling event. When the fans allowed, I love it. If the fans are quiet, it just feels like something's not going right. The fans feel it, and that's why they're not reacting. I mean, another crazy thing I, I want to say to Kevin Nash, so it's okay when other wrestlers take the finisher of former wrestlers, that's okay. That's okay seeing 
maybe three to five, four different wrestlers since Bret Hart has left wrestling take the sharpshooter and maybe one of them has used it as their finisher and that's his, his niece. But The Rock was doing it. Uh, so, oh, I'm going to say his name wrong. Claudio is, did it. His nephew did it. The Rock did it. But there wasn't the finisher. It was just one little move that they did it, did it during the match. And that's it. But it was not their finisher. And that was disrespect to Bret Hart. Because that was Bret Hart's finisher. That's what Bret Hart did. Did to win the match. That's what he did to make you submit. And for him to win titles. And they weren't using it in the way that he did. And that's not disrespectful. What about Randy Orton doing the diamond cutter? Well, Diamond Dallas Page hasn't even retired yet. And he was using the same finisher. That's not disrespectful. And at least when Bray Wyatt used the Manimal Claw, he waited like 10 plus years. I think it's like 10 plus years since we've seen any wrestler besides Mick Foley use the Manimal Claw as a submission or as a move that just shocked the crowd in some kind of capacity. It's okay to take moves, but it's not okay to take some things that look similar to another person. Maybe I'm being sensitive, but you know, man, the idea that he's doing it now, the guy's, the LA Knight is not young, ladies and gentlemen. I believe he's like 37, 38 years old. He doesn't have 20 years of saying, yeah. He may have maybe five years. He may have eight years left of it. And then that's it. Just like Stone Cold, just like The Rock. He was experienced the year experience for less than 10 years before he's, he's rolling the, uh, the red carpet's rolling down the, the aisle for him to go into retirement. I don't know. Maybe I'm being sensitive, but that's what I feel. Now, the other day, I, I, I learned something about... I was watching the dark side of, the, uh, of wrestling. It's a, it's a show on Vice that basically has... Um, tells you stories about different wrestlers through the history of time. Why they didn't make it? What happened to them? Sometimes there's controversy where people don't feel that they died the way they died. And they were talking about the junkyard dog. And they were talking about what Vince McMahon did, Jr. did for WWE post-83, 84 versus what his father did. And one of the things that he they mentioned that his father did, his father created diversity. He had more of a diverse roster. When I mean diversity, is he tried to have other wrestlers of other, other than the white race have success. And I like diversity. I like the idea of other wrestlers, you know, uh, having a chance to, uh, of other races having a chance. Think about it. Within the last five years, maybe 10 years, WWE has had the most black wrestlers it's ever had, ever. Either succeed or be somewhere on the screen at some kind of level. I mean, think about it. Mark Henry and The Rock and Booker T are probably the only, I'm, I'm probably going to get this wrong, or oh, Lashley, are the only like black WWE heavyweight champions in the past, so, so, you know, past, you know, years, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to put there. I'm just trying to say it just feels between NXT, AEW, actually, you know what? Exclude AEW. 
NXT and WWE that Raw and SmackDown roster that there are more black athletes, not a lot, but more than it was in 1993, if you want to put it uh, a year uh, to it. And it's in the episode also talked about how Vince Jr. wanted to use guys more in a way to make a profit. You know, he was kind of like the George Steinbrenner of, of wrestling. And that was an analogy I didn't hear them use, but this analogy that I'm, I'm going to use. He used the money he had to kill, to kill other wrestling promotions. And it did, to other territories. Because wrestling back in the day was a territory place. But you could say it's different leagues, different teams, different whatever. And that's the way it was. But once Vince McMahon used money over his opponents, it changed the demographic of wrestling. It changed wrestling in a lot of different ways. But I don't want to talk about Junior. I like the idea that Vince Sr. used diversity as a way to run a promotion. Maybe that's, you know, not a lot of people will like, uh, or in the same boat as me. But I like that. Hey. I probably, I actually thinking about it now. We WWE would probably would have experienced its first heavyweight champion, black champion and black whatever, if the father was was still around in the eighties and nineties. Just saying, maybe it's just me. Anyway, that is my episode of the Truth and Rally podcast. Remember, you could follow me on any social media. Out, uh, outlet that you may like remember subscribe to my pack my podcast on any podcast app that you like spotify apple google whatever it is subscribe and if you subscribe you will always be made aware when a new episode is available for your listening ears again i'm your host anthony roman have a good day and even better night